Sister Betty, thank you for that this morning. That was great. It reminds me of a story. Um, a couple of years ago, during the, um, the, the spring training of the Michigan Wolverine football team, they were uh, having several conferences through the day, and, and they thought they would just make it lighthearted, and so they brought in a ventriloquist to speak to the Michigan football team just to kind of give them some humor. And this whole time they had this gentleman with his dummy up there, and uh, they were just going back and forth, had this great comedy routine, and, and they were just going back and forth, just, just kind of dogging a little bit at the football team and just having a lot of fun with them. And, and towards the end of it, this one football player got up and he said, Look, I just got to tell you, I do not appreciate it, all that thing, all that you've been saying about us. He said, we work really hard. He said, we're a good football team, and I don't really care for all the things that you've been saying up there. And the comedian said, well, sir, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend anybody. He said, we were just having a little bit. He said, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to that guy that's sitting on your lap. I, you can pick whatever topic you want. Cleveland Browns. Oh, Shelly, you're back there. Goodness, Shelly, I did not see you back there. I honestly did not see Shelly back there. You can do the Cleveland Browns or Cincinnati Bengals or whatever you want to do, all right? <laughs> all right. I actually thought, okay, how can I make this? I said, well, I don't think Shelly's here, so I can talk about Michigan. So, oh, well. Um, just wanted to announce uh, to you this week, um, um, I'm going to be out uh, this coming week, and uh, so if you have any announcements that uh, you need to uh, have made or anything on the one call, if you could just let Phyllis know, and Phyllis can get out the one calls for you this week, okay? And uh, if there's any emergencies, if just get a hold of an elder, and they'll be glad to try and help out with that situation. I can be reached if need be, but I'm going to be out this week. Wanted to let you know. And also on Wednesday, um, since I won't be here, how many of you ever heard of, maybe not many of you, Ken Davis? Anybody ever heard of the Christian comedian Ken Davis? We're going to be showing a video on Wednesday. It's about an hour long, and it's going to be Ken Davis, a, uh, speaking of a comedian. He will be, uh, we'll be showing that video here on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. So we welcome all of you to come out for that. All right. I think that's all the announcements that I have. All right. Last week, we began talking about what it means to be a citizen in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We transition from thy kingdom come to thy, I thought I changed that, to kingdom living. It should be kingdom living up on your screen. We transition from thy kingdom come to kingdom living. I believe that Jesus began teaching about kingdom living on a Galilean mountainside during his famous Sermon on the Mount. Now, some things to keep in mind. 2,000 years ago, as you can imagine, society and the culture was just a little bit different than it was today. It could be a rather primitive, rough, place to live. Basic civility was minuscule at best, and life itself was cheap as 
Still, the pagan nations would sacrifice, oftentimes would sacrifice humans and even children to their gods. Orphanages and places like a children's hospital was unheard of. As unwanted children, believe it or not, this is documented in the historical writings, unwanted children could just be left out into the woods all alone and just forgotten. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, was the law of the land. There was the constant threat of riots and rebellions against the Roman government. And anyone caught would quickly be punished, severely flogged or crucified. Prostitution and immorality and debauchery was the norm. And into this dark, evil, sin-filled world walks Jesus. A man who came to turn the world upside down. A man who shows a flair for the dramatic as he is going around performing feats and miracles that are just awe in the crowds. Plus his speech is confounding the arrogant and the wise. His was a different message. His message was unlike anything they ever heard. When Jesus began His ministry, He's not saying the normal things like kill or be killed or conquer or be conquered. He's not trying to lead another rebellion, although He could have. If there was anybody in history who could have led a rebellion, conquered Rome set up an empire, or should I say, set up his earthly kingdom, it would have been Jesus. But instead, he's not interested in all that stuff. As a matter of fact, there are times when it seems as though Jesus, he even acts like a recluse. Maybe not even want to be around the crowds. Often see Jesus going off alone by himself just to pray. If you read the Gospels, you know that frequently when Jesus would heal someone and they believed that he was the Son of God, they believed that he was the Messiah, he would forbid them from saying it. He would forbid them from telling people that. There was even a time when the crowds tried to put a Jesus on their shoulders and take him through town and announce that their king had come and he was able to get away and he just practically ran away from them. See, Jesus didn't come as they wanted him to come. He came with a different message. He did come to set up a kingdom as you well know by now. But it was a kingdom unlike anything the world has ever seen. He did come to be a king, but a king who would gather unto himself a people who would give all they have just to be a subject, just to be a citizen within his kingdom. And it's on this mountainside where Jesus discusses how citizens of his kingdom should act. It's here he begins telling everyone that the lifestyle of those who want to live in his kingdom will be entirely different from that of the world. You see, your attitudes will not be the same. 
Your speech will not be the same. Your desires, as we talked about last week, will change. Your ambitions, your relationships, everything about life as you know it will change. And it's in chapters Matthew 5 through 7 that we see Jesus tells His followers how to live and what to do. You see, the Sermon on the Mount has been called the Magna Carta of the Kingdom. It's been called the Manifesto of the King. If you were to look at Matthew chapters 5 through 7, we won't look at them today, but if you were to read that, maybe you can in the coming weeks because we'll be just camped out there for a while. If you look at those chapters, it just encompasses what the kingdom is all about. What kingdom living is all about. Now, I have to be honest with you. My heart's kind of beating right now. Um, And I don't know if that's the evil one just kind of saying, don't go there. But early in the week as I began to study, I thought I was going to go in a certain direction. But on Thursday when I sat down to put it all together, and I, the more that I read, the more God just started speaking to me to go in a direction that I did not anticipate going. So I have to share with you what God has laid upon my heart. Here's what God told me to say. It's not going to be profound, but I think it will be impactful if you let it. He told me to say that the message of kingdom living is not an easy message. It's not an easy message. What Jesus had and what he has to say is not for the faint of heart. Kingdom living will not necessarily be a life of comfort and ease. I told you last week that um, I recently had gone to see Case for Christ. And I didn't tell you exactly about that whole experience because it didn't pertain to what I was talking about. But um, when I went to go see Case for Christ, I, I was in a hurry. It was one of those times to where I was really cutting it close. And I went up there and uh, bought a ticket, and they told me what seat to sit in. I don't think that is typical. When they assign seats, it's just as soon as you get there, you pick whatever seats you want. But okay, that's fine. And I got up there, and I uh, found myself assigned to a seat, and it was the most comfortable red leather chair I'd ever sat in in my entire life. And then it just kind of enveloped me. It was wonderful. And on the side, they had two buttons. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And the buttons allowed my feet to come up or just allowed me to put myself in whatever position I wanted to put in. And then all of a sudden there was this tray that would go back and forth in front of me. And then I had people coming up to me saying, what do you want to eat? Would you like anything to drink? I'm thinking, I'm in heaven. This is awesome, you know. (laughs) I had no idea that I had purchased a ticket to one of the dine-in theaters. So that's sweet is right, Davis. It was awesome. (laughs) I didn't know. I was just hurrying up trying to get to the movie. And so here I am sitting in this wonderful red leather chair, having people wait on me hand and foot. I had this huge screen in front of me with surround sound, uh, you know, stereo. I felt like Tim the Toolman. You know, it was awesome, you know. It's like, you know, 
It's like, why would you not want to experience that, that, that every time? And, and I was there, and hear me on this, I was there to relax, I was there to be comfortable, I was there to be entertained, even though the message was a Christian message, but I was still there to relax. It was a little bit of Brock time, and I was there to just take it easy. I was there to be entertained and be comfortable. And as I was preparing this message on Thursday, this image came to my mind. And, and I have a feeling that when Jesus began his Sermon on the Mount, there may have been many on that hillside that wanted such an experience. You see, Matthew chapter 4, the last half of Matthew chapter 4, tells us that Jesus had been going around all the region and and, uh, performing the miracles and uh, casting out demons. And it says that his fame had spread all throughout Syria. Jesus was becoming a rock star. And I'm sure that there were those that were there on the mountainside that day that were in awe of Jesus. Yes, they probably wanted to hear what he had to say. But I don't think that they were there to be told what to do. You all come to church to be told what to do? (laughs) You don't have to answer that. I think to a degree... They wanted to be entertained. Perhaps. So they took a plush spot on the hillside and waited to see what this man of Galilee was going to do next. No doubt there were those that were drawn. Jesus was magnetic. They were drawn to him. I get that. But you see, they wanted to see what this miracle man was going to do next. And actually, if you continue to read through the Gospels, Jesus soon gave them a little bit of that dining experience whenever he gave free food to the 5,000. And so they just kept coming back. And if you read that portion in John, they just kept coming back for more free food. But unlike the waiters that offered me whatever it is that I wanted that day in the theater, Jesus' goal, now hear me on this, Jesus' goal was not to make the people comfortable. As a matter of fact, I think He wanted to make them uncomfortable. He wanted to shake things up a bit. Because Jesus was about to change all the rules. He was about to promote a life that would go completely against anything that would seem normal to the natural man. As everyone took their comfy seats on the hillside, waiting to see what he was going to do next, Jesus started to say this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers 
for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus didn't stop there, folks. He went on to say things like this, that if you have anger or if you have hatred in your heart towards anyone, then you're the same as a murderer. Men, husbands, if you even look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. He said, I know you've been told an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I'm telling you that if anyone were to hit you on the face, give them the other cheek as well. Your enemies, I'm telling you to love them. (laughs) I'm telling you to bless those who curse you. Do good things to those who hate you and pray for those who persecute you. What about wealth? You can imagine the poverty at that time, back in those days. Jesus basically said, stop trying to get, get, get. As a matter of fact, if you spend your life trying to get, get, get what the moths and rust don't get, the thieves are going to take care of the rest. And I know society has taught you ever since that you were, that you were young, do unto others as they have done unto you. But Jesus said, I'm telling you, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And if you do that, it will be golden Can you imagine the looks on the faces of the multitudes that day? This is not why we came. This is not what we signed up for. This is not why we paid for our dine-in theater ticket. We wanted to see miracles. We want to see great feats. We didn't come out here to be told what to do. But hear me on this. Jesus will not cater to the crowds. The message of the kingdom is not one of entertainment, but it's for those who will go after it. It's for those who will pursue it. It's for those who will chase after it. I didn't think I was going to get a lot of comments today. But I have to be honest with you. God began to speak to me yesterday about some things. See, kingdom living is not always pleasant. Some may think this is a controversial statement, but I believe it's true. Access or becoming a citizen within the kingdom of God is a free gift of God's grace. But remaining a citizen and remaining within the kingdom will cost you everything that you have. Go to Matthew chapter 13 for me. Matthew chapter 13. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
I think I've said this before. There was a pastor in Columbus, Ohio, I forget his name. Whenever he would get up and give a hard message to his people, he would say, you know, I love you. You know, I love you, right? Yeah. Did you ever ask yourself, why did Jesus ever speak in parables? I just don't get parables sometimes. What's up with parables? Here's a story, Matthew 13, starting with verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. Again, parables can be a difficult thing to grasp. I don't know if you caught the flow of that, but basically, Jesus got up and he gave this parable. In verse 9, it's the shortest sermon he ever gave probably. In verse 9 it says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he basically just walked off the stage. And let them think about it. What is the meaning of this? To me, it's, it's, it's kind of like a riddle. Parables, in a way, are kind of like a riddle if you think about it. Typically, I, I don't like riddles because it causes me to think. <laughs> I don't like to think that hard. Or um, how many of you like crossword puzzles? How many of you like Scrabble? 
Hey, hey. You're the smart ones, I guess, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I can't do that. My mind doesn't work like that, you know. Give me a ball in my hands and I can do something with it, but, but use me, I have my, cause me to use my mind. But if you think about it, if, if someone were to give you a riddle, you're going to do one of two things with it. You're either going to think about it and go, I don't have a clue, and leave, right? Or, you're not going to stop until you figure it out. See, it depends on your motivation. Now, some people would say Jesus was kind of being cruel here. Why would he try to trick people into finding out what the message is? And my, my issue here is not the point of the parable of the soils. That's not what I'm getting at. But my issue is parables. I believe that Jesus, as others have probably said and concluded, I believe that what Jesus was trying to say, I'm not going to make it easy on you. If you want the message of the kingdom, you'll come to me and find out. Did you notice who it was that came to Jesus and asked him what really it was all about? It was the disciples, the people who had a longing the people who wanted it. There are people who are sitting in churches all across the country as we speak or around the world. They're seeing, but they don't get it. They're hearing, but they don't get it. And I believe that Jesus was saying, I think when he gave this and he said, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. And he walked off. And I believe he just kind of sat back and he just watched. Who's going to come to me and find out what it really means? Because if you really don't want to know what the riddle is, you're not going to find out anyway. But if you really want to know the hidden, the deep secrets of Jesus Christ, you won't stop until you have it. I think that's what kingdom living is all about. See, kingdom living is not for the faint of heart. This is where God was messing with me Thursday morning. And then yesterday morning, as Stephanie and I were having devotions together, he really slapped me across the face. I had prepared this message Thursday and it was percolating in my mind and heart all day Thursday and all day Friday. And then yesterday we started talking about some things and I didn't like where our conversation was going. Because God began to speak to me about some things. You know, those of us who are parents and the times that you have to discipline your children, you know, you always say, you know, this is harder on me than it is you. And the kids are going, yeah, right. (laughs) But we do it, and then we also say, but I'm doing this because I... Jesus will chastise those whom he loves. And I don't know how this message is hitting some of you, but kingdom living is not easy. The Sermon on the Mount, if you think about everything that I read, if you think about all the topics that Jesus went into in chapters 5 through 7, it goes against everything that is natural. 
It goes against everything that we're born with, the carnal nature, but it goes against everything that you'll be taught when you leave these doors this morning. Everything. It goes against it all. Jesus will not chase you and he will not hunt you down and force you to embrace kingdom living. You either want it or you don't. There are times throughout my ministry to where I can tell the people who want it. Because they'll sometimes, not every time, this is not the only proof, but there are sometimes they'll come up to me and you can just see an excitement in their eyes. You can just hear it in their heart, what they heard or what you're teaching or, or something just really excites them and they want more of it. And they, you could go, just go on and on and on. Just This is why he spoke in parables. It was a bit of a test to see who truly wanted to be a part of the kingdom. There's a story that I think kind of flows with all of this involving this man right here. You know him, Francis Chan. Some of you may have heard this story, but he tells about a time in his ministry when he was pastoring a church in California, the church that he started. It was his baby, as he describes it. it. It was a church that had grown into the thousands and thousands. I don't know how many, but several thousands. And at this time in his ministry, he said he and the board, they had talked for the longest time about starting a, uh, a building with multi, uh, multiple campuses, millions and millions of dollars uh, uh, a program that they were going to launch into. But before they really got into this, Francis Chan said that he felt that God was calling him away for a time of brief refreshing. And at the end of that time away, God revealed some very difficult, disturbing things. Powerful things that revolutionized his life even to this day. He said that he noticed that as the church grew, so did the name Francis Chan. He said he kept seeing and hearing his name pop up everywhere, and he was bothered by this. He said his church members were talking more about Francis Chan, more about his books, more about his sermons, more about his seminars. They were talking more and more about Francis than they were Jesus Christ. Say amen or ouch. And he made this statement. When I, first, when I first heard it, I was like, wow, that's kind of arrogant. But I think you understand what he means when he, said, when he said it. He said he believed at that moment in his ministry, if he had a church in town and Jesus had a church in town, his church would be bigger than Jesus's. And he said that bothered him. Jesus, through his ministry, if you will read closely, Jesus had the habit of running people away. He had the tendency to offend people. And there are times whenever I get up here and I say, God, I don't want to offend anyone. But then I have to say what God puts on my heart to say. 
And this is one of those messages. And he thought to himself, why was I not running people off for my church? Had I made church life so comfortable, so entertaining, that it was causing the masses to talk more about him than it was talk about Jesus Christ. So he went back to his church and he resigned his position as senior pastor. Now that's tough, folks. That's that's serious. If you know anything about Francis Chan, but that that's that's tough to, to have a position to where, well, I guess you could say king of the hill. And that's what bothered him. How refreshing is that, right? To have a man that realizes that we need to be like John the Baptist. More of thee and less of me. I believe there are many churches today who are trying to lure people with an easy message that entertains. Making church feel more like a dine-in movie theater experience. But Francis Chan knew the message of the kingdom is not always pleasant. It's not one that's going to tickle the ears of the multitudes. While it is possible, I believe the true message of kingdom living is not always going to draw large crowds and it's not always going to build a megachurch. That's holiness too. Holiness is a beautiful message. If you get the true picture of holiness... You don't want anything but holiness. But it's kingdom living. But I believe Jesus was more interested in those citizens who are willing to abandon all of who they are for kingdom living. Kingdom living. Thy kingdom come, kingdom living. Get ready as... This entire mindset for kingdom living started on the Galilean mountainside. So too will our journey. It's where Jesus began describing what he expects from you and I. And the question is, do you want it? Do you want it? Do I want it? Folks, I don't want to go through the motions. I just don't want to play church. I don't want to play Christian in my life. I want to be about the kingdom. And that means God probably has some hard things to say to Brock. But I have found that nothing else in this life satisfies Only when we say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way, I'll say yes. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'm going to agree and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Maybe this is just a message to where I'm preparing you, to where God's preparing you for where we're going to go in the coming weeks. I don't know. But maybe today someone needs to settle the issue of do you want it?
Do you want it? Are you prepared to say yes, regardless of where the Spirit of God takes you today and in the coming days? I was talking to um, Dale Wednesday night. We were having a good conversation. And I'm done. Mandy, you all can come up. Um, Joyce, I'm not sure what they have picked. If you can get ready to sing. Um, and I was talking to Dale and I was talking to me about the things that we were studying and how intrigued he is and everything and so much of this has to do with you and me obviously you know in my yard um, I have several bare spots we all have bare spots in our yard to where the grass is not growing for whatever the reason and, you know, what I like to do is the least amount of work possible to fix that problem. I just want to get the, 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 the seed in the little container and just kind of sprinkle it out, you know. And I don't know, maybe I'll have time to, to water it or not. But if not, I'm sure it will take care of itself, right? And trying to do as least as I can to get the yield that I want. But what I have to realize is that in those bare spots, most of the time the, the dirt is compacted and it's hard. It's cracked almost because there's just no moisture there. And, and I expect to just sprinkle some seed on it and expect it to just take off. It doesn't work like that, does it? The only way something's going to happen there is if the soil is fertile, is if the soil is broken up, if it's soft, if it's pliable, if it's able to receive. And that's what I'm asking you and I today is, what's the condition of your heart? If you came here this morning, it's got to keep us soft. If you came here this morning and it was hard and it was compact, if you leave here this morning and if if your spirit is hard, you're not going to get what you need to get. You're not going to be ready for kingdom living. You will not be able to receive where we go in the coming weeks. It's not always going to be a hard, hard message. It's going to be a glorious message. Where are you today? Jesus talked about the parable of the soils as we read today. The kind of soil that you have will determine whether or not you're ready for kingdom living. You know me by now that I'm not here to entertain you. It's not my goal to tickle your ears. But there's one thing that I can promise you. We read it. If you paid attention to it, it's you don't turn there, but in Matthew 5... If we will embrace kingdom living, Jesus said, what would happen to those who are poor in spirit? He said, you will be blessed. If you indeed will go to where he wants you to go, if you indeed will pursue it until you have it, whatever it is he's calling you to, it might be a change of attitude. Maybe it might be a change of um, your your demeanor and your spirit. Maybe your spirit. Maybe your attitude stinks. Maybe your attitude lately has just really stunk and it's causing problems not only in your life, but it's causing problems in relationships. You see, kingdom living impacts it all. It will impact your attitude. It will impact your desires. It will impact your ambitions. It will impact your relationships. It will impact everything about your life. But if you do, you will be blessed. 
and your reward will be great in heaven. I'm done. I don't know how this has hit you. Would you stand and bow your heads, please? I'll, I'll do what we did last week. Um, the altars are going to be open. I won't drag this out. Um, if you want to pray just by yourself, God is, God's messing with you because <laughs> he will mess with us. If God is messing with you and if you just want to pray by yourself, come over here. Come over here if you, want, if you don't want anybody to, to come up to you or pray with you or talk to you. This is just you and the Lord. If you need some help, if you want someone to talk to and just pray with, you can come over here. Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you. God, I thank you for messing with me. God, don't ever stop messing with me. Don't ever stop, God. Because, Lord, you know I'm far from perfect. But I want to be about the kingdom. I want to be a faithful, obedient citizen within the kingdom, no matter where that takes God, that if there's anyone here today that you're messing with, they'll allow you to do what needs to be done. Thank you, God, for your message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you take your hymn.